Stewart is in. Goblin in alone with Stewart back in. Scores! Over the blue line, space. Philly on near circle, back door feet. What a blocker save by Portillo! Here comes Halliday, left wing, joined by Beck. Halliday will sauce it for Beck, stick with for him. What a goal! For plenty of time and space, walking in near circle to the back end of the slot. Eber beats it, tucks it in. What a goal! Cross ice, D. St. Val has it. Back door shot, what a save! Portillo, it's loose, and another save. Right pad, he's miraculous. Welcome to our house. You're listening to the Fighting Saints Report. And we welcome you into another episode of the Fighting Saints Report. Jack Molesky, Jim Leitner, uh, joining you once again. And Jim, how are things going for you? Good, good. You're just hanging in there. The weather's starting to get a little bit nice, getting some yard work done, and uh, just trying to trying to grind my way through this. Hopefully uh, we're, we're on the back to normal sooner than later. Yeah, that's the hope here, I, I think, for, for everyone. And we're, we're continuing to do this podcast. This is episode five already. Uh, really enjoying what we've done so far and a lot of good interviews that we've already done. If you visit us on Anchor FM, we'll post the link uh, below, but also Anchor mm -hmm. FM on Spotify, where this podcast now lives. You can listen to those episodes of the Fighting Saints Report. We've interviewed the likes of Hunter Miska, Tice Thompson, Willie Neerham, Austin Ruschoff, Wyatt Kaiser, Nate Susis. And uh, on this episode, we're going to interview two big award winners and Eric Pertillo and Reese Gaber, who will get to in a little bit but this is a this is a heavy uh, podcast for us in terms of talking because we've got a lot of awards to cover the fighting saints cleaned up with the ushl player awards and we expected a pretty good good haul from dubuque but i don't know if we could have anticipated the fighting saints winning this many awards no you really can and i, I think uh you know you look at uh, there's you know, chicago in particular had a great year and you know, Dubuque had a great year as well, but I think this really speaks to, uh, you know, the, the fact that the Fighting Saints had so many players who really bought into the system, bought into what uh, the coaching staff had to, had to offer. And, and this was really a, a season where the Fighting Saints really established themselves back as an elite team in the USHL. The last few years, I mean, they were kind of, uh, you know, they're a good hockey team, but this year I think the Saints really reestablished themselves as an elite team, and uh, I think the reward, the awards reflect that, and, and rightly so. And before we get into those individual awards that uh, I just talked about, because it's more than just the individual awards for Dubuque, uh, some of these are, are more so team awards, as the players would, would tell you. But the first thing is the all USA gel teams. There is a third team, a second team, a first team. And Dubuque had representation on each one of the three teams, five players total selected to the all USHL teams, which is the largest crop of players from a single team this year. And it starts on the third team with the likes of Ty Jackson and Braden Doyle. Ty led Dubuque with 58 points this season. Doyle had the sixth most points by a Fighting Saints defenseman in the Tier 1 era with 36. And that's a good way to start off the show with two of the best performers we saw all season long. No question. And I think we've, uh, we've talked about Ty pretty much all season, and Ty and Dylan, in, in terms of you know, the decision by both of those guys to come back this season and, and play a second year in the USHL. Uh, what a, what a great, uh, great decision on both of their parts. And, 
you know, you look at, you just saw how confident that both of those kids were this year and they were just so much better. And, you know, just like even in talking to them, they were, they, they just carried themselves with so much more confidence. And, you know, it was almost like they were completely different to different players this year because they had that confidence. They were, you know, physically, they were bigger, stronger, faster. And, but I think uh, between the years, they were even better. And I think that's what uh, was a big, big part of their success. And, you know, with Ty, obviously, you know, both Ty and Dylan, they're going to Northeastern next year. And I anticipate both of those guys are going to make an immediate impact at Northeastern because of this season that they had. And, you know, they, you know, we saw it last year, we saw it this year, you know, they're, they're two smaller players and, and teams like to kind of test them. they like to hit them. They like to try to, you know, intimidate them physically. And, and this year, I don't think they were intimidated at all. I, I think both of them were, you know, were, were not, uh, were not going to be pushed around or they were going to fight off or fight through checks or whatever. And, you know, I think that's a big part of their confidence. Yeah, I think you saw that in their games. They weren't even – it wasn't even just they weren't going to get pushed around, but they were pushing back, and that's something we didn't see much exactly in the first year. But we, we did talk about it on our broadcast. I mean, the, the last five games of the regular season and that postseason run for Dubuque, I think that's when you saw Ty and Dylan turn the corner and then the weight they put on, the muscle they put on in the offseason, and obviously their their skill that they already possessed – all three of those combined carried over to this year and then they were able to take off right from the beginning. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of fun when you, it's kind of fun when you see that click, you know, when you see, uh, you know, it, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you know, they, they get it. And I think sometimes it takes a little longer for players for, to have that light bulb go off. And, you know, it was just cool to see that happen. And, you know, I, I think, when we were talking after the season last year, I think we were both talking about how excited we were about the Jacksons coming back and, and uh, you know, Matt, geez, imagine what they can do if they put on a little size and weight and imagine, you know, what they're going to do in the summertime and how much better they're going to be. And to be honest, I think they, they probably even exceeded my expectations for what they could do uh, after what they did last year. And, uh, it is fun to watch both those guys and not just from a on the ice standpoint, but just the way, like I said, the way they carried themselves, the way they spoke, you know, they were just so much more confident. And, you know, I, I'm really, really excited to see what they can do at Northeastern next year. And since we're on the topic of the Jacksons, we mentioned Ty was on the third team. Dylan was on the second team. So both of them getting uh, league honors and, and Dylan had 55 points. Ty had 58. And you, you hear those point totals and you think, incredible season for the Jacksons and then you realize that there were still 12 games left in the season both of them were knocking on the door of a 70 point season if the regular season had been able to be completed yeah and I think they were again I think they were both playing with so much confidence and they were you know the last you know the last few weeks of this uh, what, what what was the season I thought they were both playing really exceptionally well so I think you were going to see uh you were going to see a lot of a uh, lot more point production out of them. And, you know, I think the same was with, uh, with Braden Doyle, you know, he was a guy I thought, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was just kind of trying to feel his way through uh, the season and the, or just trying to feel his way through the USHL. And, you know, then it seemed like things kind of clicked for him as well, you know, and then, you know, you saw the breakout game. You saw the two weeks in December where he was named USHL Defenseman of the Week. And, 
you know, again, that was a, a situation where everything just kind of clicked for him. And again, he's another guy who's got an extremely bright future. That's certainly where he hit his stride that, that uh, two-week stretch in December, he had uh, the hat-trick against Muskegon, which was the first ever hat-trick by a fighting Saints defenseman in the Tier 1 era. Back-to-back -back player of the week honors, uh, defenseman of the week honors, I should say, in the USHL. And again, that 36 points this season, sixth most by a fighting Saints defenseman in the Tier, tier 1 era. But again, that asterisk, because he didn't get to complete the season, he was eight away from the record. So uh, another player that, if, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the end of the season, but could have been shooting up the record books and maybe holding a record all to himself if the year had been able to be completed like it usually is. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about, what was was 12 games that they had left? 12 games, I believe, yes. 12 games they had left. And uh, they were all, I think, if you look at the, the schedule, the strength of schedule, there was in that stretch, there was only one game against a team over 500 and that was Waterloo and the fighting saints had a lot of success against Waterloo this year. So um, I don't, you know, those games on paper, they look like they were all winnable games and they look like Dubuque would have been favored in all of them. And I mean, you can't assume that they would have, you know, had breakout games, but, Certainly it was favorable for the Fighting Saints that they would, the individuals would put up some good points or put up some good performances against teams that were, you know, most of them were, you know, either fighting for a playoff spot or under 500 or, you know, not in the playoff picture at all. So, I mean, it, those numbers could have been a lot better had they had the chance to play those 12 games. And I think that's what's, what's disappointing, but also what's pretty incredible about the season that all three players we've talked about so far have had is if I had just given you those numbers without letting you know that hey the season ended 12 games short you still would have said wow incredible season for all three players oh no doubt about it no, no doubt about it and you know it, it'd be you know if you had a season that was a little bit interrupted by injury or something like that those are still incredible numbers and still you know, outstanding production and, you know, to average like a point per game for most of those guys were right around a point per game or a little bit better uh, in this league is, is outstanding. Uh, this is a great defensive league and, you know, teams know how to scheme against players and, and uh, against individual teams. So I, I think uh, to, to average a point per game in the USHL is, is outstanding. So two representatives on the all USHL third team in Doyle and Ty then one representative on the All-USHL second team in Dylan Jackson, and then two representatives on the All-USHL first team for the Fighting Saints, Reese Gaber and Eric Portillo. And we'll start with Eric Portillo, who was the netminder for the Fighting Saints. His season was a little bit up and down because of some injuries that were nagging him all year. But when he was in the lineup, when he was between the pipes, he was no doubt the best goaltender in the entire league. Oh, I agree. And I, I think, uh, again, you know, you're talking about a goaltender who came over here. He'd played his entire life over in Sweden, his, his native Sweden, um, where the ice surface is much larger. Uh, you come over to the North American, North America and you're playing on a smaller ice surface, uh, which is a, a big challenge. I, I don't know if a, a lot of people fully understand how difficult it is to make that transition from the larger ice surface to the smaller ice surface, especially as a goaltender, because you're looking at different angles, you're looking at a lot of different variables. You know, the, the game is a little bit faster on the smaller ice. There's more congestion. There's more traffic in front of the net. 
there's just so many variables that you have to take into consideration. But I thought he did an outstanding job of of making that transition. And <clears throat> as you mentioned, his numbers were outstanding. But how much better could they have been if he would have been, you know, fully acclimated at the beginning of the year or he didn't have a little bit of a transition period that he did? Portillo was the league leader in goals against average. He was top three in wins, top three in save percentage. Uh, he had a shutout to his name. Basically, any major category uh, in terms of goaltending, he was right there. He gets first team honors as the the top goaltender in the league. And then Reese Gaber, one of uh, multiple forwards on that first team, one of three forwards on the All USHL first team. And Gaber was the catalyst for Dubuque all season long. He was an assistant captain. He had 55 points. He set the Fighting Saints tier one record for career goals. And he was well on his way to being the first Fighting Saint to score 40 in a single season, 34 when the year ended. But no doubt the way Gaber was trending that he would have hit 40 plus. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at the points and, you know, the, the points are, the points speak for themselves, but, you know, what I look at, when I look at Reese Gaber, <clears throat> how many times did he score a, a really, you know, obviously scored, lead the league in, in goal scoring, but how many times did he score a really important goal? Um, you know, the first goal of a game, uh, a goal that ties the game, a goal that gives his team the lead. Um, and on top of that, there were times when the opposing team was starting to get a little bit of momentum. You know, they were starting to, to change the game a little bit and he'd score a goal there. I just, you know, there were not many goals that, that Reese Gaber scored that weren't important. And I think that's really what, uh, what really stands out to me in terms of, you know, the value of Reese Gaber was the, the number of important goals that he scored. Yeah, Gaber, uh, incredibly important goal. Uh, and I think the, the thing that will be remembered maybe the most about a lot of those goals is that he did so on his what has become his patent in the USHL. I mean, it's not often where you associate a specific goal scoring move with a single player, but Reese Gaber made it his patented move and the USHL tweeted about it. Other outlets said that this was move. so he made a name for himself with that one move and it's amazing when it gets exposure like that and you can still complete it successfully over and over and over again yeah you know I'd love to hear a goaltender's perspective on that um, because you know and how good you know we see it from a fan's perspective or we see it from the crowd's perspective um, I'd love to hear about it from a goaltender's perspective and just because they bit for it every single time. You know, every time he tried to make that move, they fell for it. Uh, so it'd be just really interesting to see from their, from their viewpoint what, what made that so difficult to stop and why was it so successful for Reese Gaber? Because, like you said, <clears throat> I don't know if there was any times that he was ever stopped on it. No, I, I can only think of – I can only think of one where he was stopped on it and he was only stopped the first time. It was actually his record tying goal against Sioux city. He was stopped on the first attempt, but he got a second whack at it and then pushed it through. Uh, so his success rate was incredibly uh, successful with that move. And I think another thing that's so interesting about that 
move is, and if people have listened to the You Show podcast with Reese Gaber, he talked about it there. But uh, when I was giving them a little insight on what to ask, I said, really ask him about that move because I remember him working on it after practice. It wasn't a natural move for Gaber in the sense that that's been something he's done his entire career. He really worked his butt off to perfect that move with uh, goalie coach Matt Millar at the time. And uh, he, he told in that interview with the U show, he said, yeah, I really wasn't good in shootouts or on breakaways uh, when I was playing junior hockey in the MJHL. So that was something he wanted to work on. And I'd say it paid off in spades. Oh, no doubt about it. And it's not just a, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. You have to have really strong feet. You have to have really good, strong edge work on your blades. You have to have great hands. Uh, it's a combination of a lot of those things. And I mean, uh, visually, you have to get a good read on the goaltender. Uh, there's a lot of elements that go into it. And, and he really, he certainly perfected it. And, you, you know, you mentioned the fact that he worked on it with co goalie coach Matt Millar at the time. You know, it's, it's not surprising at all because that kid uh, worked his rear end off both years that he was here. Um, and, and I think that's why you see him winning these awards. That's why you see him getting the recognition that he does because he worked his rear end off and he earned everything that he's gotten. And uh, it, it's fun when you have a player like that. And, you know, it's fun to see him get the recognition that he got. But on the other side, he's setting a great example for future fighting saints or his younger teammates who are going to be back next year. You know, hopefully they can take the lessons that they learned from him and, and apply that to their own games and then and show it to the next generation of players in Dubuque as well. So for those that were following along, we got all this information out on social media on, on Thursday for the All-USHL teams. And then we follow up on Friday with some huge announcements. And the one is that we'll start with Eric Portillo, obviously, first team uh, All-USHL goaltender that's usually a pretty good indication of who's going to be the goalie of the year. And that indeed was Eric Portillo goalie of the year in the USHL. The first time a fighting saint has ever won that award. And that award dates back to 1983, 84. So it doesn't just encompass the 10 years Dubuque has been in the one era. This goes back nearly 30 years. And Portillo is the first fighting saints goaltender to accomplish the feat. Oh, then, and that's uh, it's pretty exciting when you hear that. Uh, I mean, just in recent history, you look at uh, you look at uh, Hunter Miska. You know, who's had an outstanding year for the Fighting Saints a couple years ago. Art Bride put up some outstanding numbers. Matt Morris put up good numbers. Won a Clark Cup as well. Uh, so you had some goal, great goaltenders in Dubuque, and you know, even going back into the the first uh, version of the Fighting Saints you know, 20, 30 years ago, they, Dubuque had some really good goaltenders and, you know, they had guys who were winning, winning championships. And so for him to be the first one to win the goaltender of the year is, is a great feather in his cap. And I'm sure the folks at the University of Michigan and the Buffalo Sabres are really excited about his future. And Callie Larson in the quote that he gave for uh, the announcement of, of the goalie of the year said the thing that impressed him the most was that, and you've already mentioned it, uh, Eric came out of his comfort zone to come play in the USHL, recognizing it was a, a good step for his development, but playing on a smaller sheet of ice, uh, playing in an, a foreign country for him, and to be able to play as well as he did and be as consistently successful as he was is pretty impressive. And, and the other thing that just shows how good he was is whenever I talk to any player 
or Coach Oliver David or, or the assistant coaches, Justin Hale and Evan Dixon, they always said that it was just a quiet confidence every time you step between the pipes, like, hey, we, we've got it. I mean, not that every, anything's a sure thing, but to just have so much confidence in one person when they're between the pipes speaks volumes to their ability. Yeah, and, you know, the thing I really liked about it, he had that confidence. There's no question about it. Every time he stepped on the ice, you know, even if he gave up a – even if he gave up a goal that, that he'd love to have back, he was always, it never rattled him. You know, you never really saw him, him get shaken. You know, I, I can't even think of a, maybe a single game all season where he got shaken. And um, but I love, you know, I love the fact that, you know, when you look at him from the shooter's perspective, there was never anything to shoot at. There was never any holes. There were never any holes in his game. You know, he covered the net so exceptionally well. And <clears throat> you're going to say, well, geez, he's, you know, six foot six and, you know, he's a big goaltender, you know, what, 224 pounds. Geez, he should take up a lot of net. But a lot of times you'll see big goaltenders who don't play big or that just in the way they move, the way they go side to side, they don't get great coverage of the net. Mm -hmm. And he was a goaltender who he had great size. He moved exceptionally well. He covered the net unbelievably. So there was really nothing to shoot at it. And if you're in opposition and you're in a game like that and you're facing a goaltender like that, you, you start gripping your stick a little bit tighter or you start, you know, looking to the heavens a little bit to wondering what you have to do to score on this guy. And I mean, it's, it's a challenge and um, it's, to have a goaltender like that, it's it's a great security blanket for the Fighting Saints. And, you know, again, I think he's a big reason why the Fighting Saints were, you know, really, I think, in contention to possibly win the Clark Cup if they had a, a good run in the postseason. Certainly on the, the small list of teams that seem to be the favorites heading into the playoffs before the season was unfortunately cut short, but not before Eric Portillo did more than enough to become the first fighting saint to win goalie of the year honors and we'll take our first break but when we come back we have eric portillo all the way from sweden joining us on the fighting saints report podcast to talk about what it means to be the first fighting saint netminder to win that league award back in a moment here on the fighting saints report and we welcome you back to the show, joined by a special guest here. It's Eric Portillo. And Eric, this is definitely the longest distance Zoom call I've done so far. I'm in Virginia, you're in Sweden. So thanks for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, before we get into the accolades you took home uh, for the USHL this season, the season that you had in Dubuque in general, how's everything going for you back in Sweden? You know, it's, it's not too bad. I just got home from uh, practicing both gym and I actually went on the ice today so you know I can still practice and restaurants and stores are still open here in Sweden so it's not too bad. That's good that's good have you been able to uh keep in touch with anyone from Dubuque uh even though you're you're doing other stuff? Yeah absolutely uh we actually did a zoom call uh, all the team did like a team meeting with all the guys to just check in and see everyone. And I've been talking to Reese and uh, even Joanne and Gibby on FaceTime. So uh, yeah, for sure. Does everyone have to schedule around you since you're the biggest time difference and everyone is only an hour or two a difference other than you? No, I don't know. It, it was, uh, 
I don't know, they just started uh, doing a Zoom meeting, so I just joined in. Uh, I think it was late, uh, late night here, and it was during the day in the U.S., so it worked out. There you go, keeping in touch, always good. Uh, but let's dive right into the main reason for this call. Uh, on this show, we're highlighting the great accomplishments the entire team had, and I guess we'll start there. When you see five players named to the all ushl teams and then you see multiple individual awards not just for players but also coaching staff and gm just how how much does that tell you about how special this group was no i mean uh, it more or less confirms what i what i thought about this group it was a great group we like, it was it was always fun coming to the rink and i feel like all the way from Callie, the general manager, to Oliver and all the players, everything worked really well. So, yeah, I'm. It makes sense, and I'm happy for uh, all the other guys to to get uh, recognized like that. You personally, you're named to the first team uh, on the all USHL teams, and then you're also named the USHL goaltender of the year. The first time a Fighting Saint has ever won goalie of the year. For you to get those two awards, what does it mean for you personally? You know, it's it's very. I got very happy when I heard it. It's uh, I'm both proud and honored to receive those awards. It's it's such a big thing to receive those in the USHL, and especially for me, you know, first time in uh, North America, and yeah, I I had a great time in Dubuque, and and it was uh, yeah, it was a great run with the team. Unfortunately, ended the way it did. Yeah, and obviously the the ending not the way everyone wants it. But for you, even though you get those accolades, it wasn't necessarily the easiest season. You had to battle through some injuries and uh, things like that. How how much more rewarding does it make it to maybe get that accolade and finish the season knowing how hard you had to work for it? You know, I had my struggles along the way, uh, my back there. And I also, you know... It's a, it's a big uh, change going from Sweden to North America. So, of course, it's really nice to, to get some recognition and, and get some um, answers back, let's say, uh, for what you did the last season. So, yeah, it's, it feels great. Looking at some of the other awards, the, the other one that really stands out is Dubuque gets its first ever player of the year in Reese Gaber. And obviously playing on the same team, you got to practice against Reese every day, but you also got to live in the same house with Reese every day. What was it like just being around Reese that much? You know, he's, he's a great guy. And from the day I got to Dubuque, he, he really was, he was very kind. He showed me around and, it was great because he he was in Dubuque last year, so he kind of knew uh, what was going on in in Dubuque as a town and in the hockey team. So, yeah, he helped me out so much during that year. Saw you guys in practice a lot. Anytime you would make a save, you would kind of give it to him a little bit. Anytime he would score on you, you he would give it right back to you. What was that friendly competition like, and how much did that help improve your game? You know. It was very fun. Uh, it's all in fun. And, you know, I think competing in practice is very important. That's what's, um, what's have taken me to where I am today, I think. Uh, I think competing is one of my um, strongest uh, or, like, what I do best. Um, and I think Reese 
competing against Reese is a it's a very fun thing because he's so skilled and such a great player. So I always want to compete against those guys to to bring up my game. And Callie Larson was just announced as the general manager of the year, and you and him shared the tie of both being being of Swedish descent. What's your relationship like from Callie? And I'm assuming he's the one that kind of helped you make the transition from America to the Dubuque Fighting Saints and was communicating along the way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy and thankful for what Callie did there. Uh, no, he he helped me along the way from from the beginning when. Um, he he actually came to my house here in Sweden and uh, had dinner with my parents and talked everything through. So, you know, he helped me out along the way uh, and he was only a phone call away every day um, if it was any problem. So, yeah, I'm super happy and thankful for, uh, for Kelly. Looking back at your time in Dubuque, what are some of the top memories that you're going to take away? You know, I think, um, I just think that the time in Dubuque where we had um, we had some really great wins with the team, and we also had the um, the dinners with the um, with the fans there, with the season ticket holders, like experiences like that, and when people came up to me uh, when I was hurt and talked to me and was very kind stuff like that really sticks with you and yeah I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, that time uh, moving forward the, the hope is that in, in the fall you'll be able to transition to the University of, of Michigan obviously the situation's still fluid so we don't know what's going to happen but uh, in, in terms of the next steps you I know you said you can get on the ice what are you looking to accomplish maybe in terms of helping your game transition even more to the American uh, style of play in hopes that you're going to be able to play in a couple months? Um, you know, for myself, I think just continue to work on reading the plays. I think that is a big part of my game and a thing I started to work on here in the USHL, but I think I need to take to the next level uh, and just continue working on. Um, it's, it's a bit different play in the U.S. and North America compared to Sweden. So I think it's a smaller rink that affects, uh, that is the biggest change. So, yeah, just reading plays and uh, understanding what the players are going to do. I think that is a thing I have to keep on working with. Well, Eric, we look forward to hopefully seeing that next step come in the, the fall with Michigan and you transitioning there. And we really enjoyed watching you play this entire season, the goaltender of the year and an all-USHL first-team selection. And Eric Portillo, thanks for much, so much for joining. Thank you so much, Jack. That was Eric Portillo, the current goalie of the year in the USHL and one of the best goaltenders Dubuque has had ever in their team's history. And now we're talking about another player who's one of the best to ever wear the Fighting Saints red and white, and that's Reese Gaber. And I don't know if I've been around a player that has received more direct praise from his coaches and his general manager than Reese Gaber, and not just about what he can do on the ice, but just what he means as a person to an entire team. And his on-the-ice accomplishments are great. It led him to first-team All-USHL. It led him to forward of the year and player of the year in the USHL, 
But I think the conversation with Reese Gaber has to start with what his personality does to, to galvanize an entire locker room. Oh, no doubt. And I mean, you just look at uh, just the work ethic, first and foremost, how hard he worked. And, you know, he was a guy, he wasn't a big, he wasn't a glamour guy. He, you know, he wasn't a guy who, who needed the attention. He wasn't a guy who, you know, was, was looking for the adulation. He was a guy who just absolutely loves the game, wants to go out and play it, wants to improve his craft, just wants to be a better player. And I think when you have, when your best player is like that, it rubs off on all the rest of the guys. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, as one of the, he was part of the leadership group as one of the captains, you know, I don't think he was one of the guys who gave the big speech. You know, he wasn't the guy, the real rah-rah guy, but he was one of those guys who absolutely leads by example. And, you know, again, when you have younger guys, you have guys who are in their first year in the USHL, and you see, you know, the forward of the year, the player of the year in the USHL, you see how hard he works. It rubs off on you, and it really makes you understand how hard you have to work if you want to have the similar kind of success. And I think that's when you speak about his personality, that's really where, you know, where that really benefits the entire group. Yeah, I did a, an interview um, last week with the uh, assistant coach of the Detroit Red Wings, former head coach of the Buffalo Sabres and Pittsburgh Penguins, Dan Bilesma. That's uh, one we're excited to share with you listeners here in a couple weeks. But he made that exact same point. I asked him what it was like to, to coach Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And uh, he said that the biggest takeaway he had was anytime opposing scouts or GMs or coaches would come to morning skate, they would basically tell him, hey, we have no chance in this game if your two best players, and not just your two best players, but two of the best in the league and to ever to do it, are going to work as hard as they are right now in morning skate. And I think that work ethic is something that Gaber had as well. And he even referenced it a lot this season that he was trying to be the last person off the ice. He knew he could put in a lot of work. And look, it pays off with, with forward of the year, which has only been done two other times by Fighting Saints, and player of the year. And again, first for the Fighting Saints, never before done by a Fighting Saints player to win player of the year. Reese Gaber gets that honor, and I think rightfully so. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, it, when you talk again about to, to get to the, the work ethic part of it, you know, it was interesting. I, I talked to, you know, talked to Coach Oliver David about, about Reese. And earlier in the year, I talked to Chad Remico, who, who uh, handles skill development for the Fighting Saints. And both of those guys are very well-experienced hockey people. And they said they actually learned a lot from, from Reese Gaber. You know, so here's a guy, he's a 20-year-old kid, and they learned a lot from him in terms of, you know, what it takes to, to make a player better. And, uh, I mean, that's, again, that speaks to his character and how, uh, how good a person he is. And obviously that alone wasn't going to win him this award, but the stats then certainly back up uh, a player of the year and forward of the year nomination and ultimately victory for Reese Gaber. 55 points, he was top 10 in the USHL. 34 goals, he was far and away the top goal scorer in the USHL. You mentioned the timeliness of those goals. He was top five in game-winning goals this season in the USHL. And really for the Fighting Saints, the USHL doesn't have an MVP award per se. I really feel like player of the year award is as close as you're going to get to the MVP of the league. 
And I think that's the biggest reason why Reese Gaber, even though he didn't have as many points as some of these other players, and it wasn't a huge gap, but just the importance, the value of him for Dubuque versus the value of anyone else to any other team. I think he was so important to the success of the Fighting Saints over the last two seasons, and that's the main reason why you're naming him Player of the Year. Yeah, and I think uh, this is voted on by by the coaches and the general managers, and I'm sure a lot of them looked at Reese Gaber and said, you know, geez, he, whenever we played Dubuque, he was the guy who scored the important goal. He was the guy who made the important play. Or, as I mentioned, you know, how many times did he make a play or score a goal that, that changed the entire momentum of the game? You know, and, and I think if I'm a, a guy who's voting – you know, an opposing coach and an opposing general manager. And I look at that and I see, you know, this is the guy. He he was the guy who always did it to us. He was the guy who was, you know, the, the biggest difference maker in Dubuque. Uh, I think that's why, I, you know, I would vote for him. And uh, that's why, again, I think he's an outstanding choice. One thing that I think is kind of interesting is, you know, you're talking about Portillo and Gaber. They both lived in the same billet house this year. Do you think it was something that the Gibsons were cooking this year? The- I, I asked Reeves that, and he said, he goes, well, you know, I, I, hope, I hope they weren't doing anything, but he, he thought it was kind of, kind of funny that uh, – he was, I thought it was funny that I even asked that question, that they put something in the food or the water. But, um, but I do think what was kind of cool about that is, you know, they rode to the rink together all the time, obviously, and, you know, they were able to uh, – they kind of fed off each mm-hmm. other. You know, that's one thing that Reese mentioned to me the other day. They kind of fed off each other. Both of them were having really good, successful seasons, and they both fed off off each other's success. And I think that pushed each other to be be better. You know, you look at it from Reese's standpoint. Every day you're going against Eric Portillo in practice, and you have to find ways to score against a goaltender that's almost unscorable. <laughs> on uh, and vice versa. You know, if you're Eric Portillo and you have to stop a you know the leading goal scorer in the USHL. That's not an easy thing to do. So uh, they both really fed off each other. And uh, I'll have to, I will have, next time I see Joanne, I'll have to ask her if she was putting anything into their food or if there's any kind of a secret or any uh, fountain of youth that I can use too to to kind of uh, give me a little bit more energy. It's like in the, the movie Space Jam where the, they drink Michael's secret stuff at halftime and then win the game. I think Joanne was dipping into uh, some secret stuff there in the back, just sprinkling a little in. And uh, that was the, the recipe for success. But yeah, if, if that's the case, if, if living in, the, uh, in that household for one year gives you success, I think maybe uh, everyone will be trying that in Dubuque for, for the well, year. Either, either that or everybody's going to want to sign up to live there. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. might have to so, build some you might have to build some more properties on that exactly yeah. exactly yeah and I think I think you're exactly right with the competition I mean in practice it was obvious every time Portillo made a save on Gaber you could hear him yelling at him and every time Gaber would score on Portillo he'd give it right back so uh, that friendly competition at, at times I'm not even sure if it was if it was that friendly but it was all in the right spirit obviously of getting better um, I think that was one of the big keys to their success. And look, when you can practice with, with some of the best every single day, it's inevitably going to make you better. Uh, and I think if you, like you said, for Reese Gaber, if I can score on Eric Portillo, I can score on anyone in this league. And he did so 34 different times. Uh, so a huge, huge accolade for Reese Gaber, two huge accolades. And three, if you're going to count the all USHL first team to just cap off 
one of the most storied careers uh, a Dubuque Fighting Saints player has ever had. And with Callie uh, Larson, the GM, and Oliver David, the head coach of the Fighting Saints, they reference that every time they talk about Reese and saying he was legitimately our signature saint, like the guy that we want every player to who comes to Dubuque to, to be modeled after. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. And, and for good reason. You know, he's a guy who, as we mentioned, you know, he's a, he's a guy who does not have a big ego, works his rear end off every single day, uh, and just loves, has a, such a passion for the game. You know, he just, he just loves playing hockey and, you know, loves to, you know, loves to go out and play and have fun and, and have success. The, the success kind of comes along with that. So, uh, again, I, I think it's a, it's kind of cool that he calls him the sig- signature stain, and it's actually something that's well-deserved. Uh, no doubt about it. And we'll talk to the signature saint here in just a moment. We have Reese Gaber joining the show here shortly from Manitoba all the way up in Canada. The weather's uh, still a little bit cold there. I know Reese is dying to get out on the golf course, and slowly but surely he might be able to get some golf in. But we'll be talking hockey, forward of the year, player of the year, and a fantastic career with the Dubuque Fighting Saints. It's Reese Gaber here in just a moment. And we're now joined by the forward of the year and the player of the year in the USHL, and of course, a saint for life in Reese Gaber. Reese, thanks for taking the time to do this today. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I guess that's that's where we'll start first, and then maybe we'll go back to the year that you uh, had a little bit. But obviously, the accolades that just came out recently last week, you were awarded first team All USHL, forward of the year, and player of the year. First time Dubuque has ever had a player of the year uh, honored by the league to them. And when when you look at those three accolades, when you started the season, did you ever think that you would hear your name associated with any, if not all, three of those? No, no, not not at all. Um, kind of came, still came to a bit of surprise um, to me, even after the season. It's something I never really thought of. And, um, yeah, obviously to receive those awards is a huge honor. And um, it's nice to know that, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm well-respected around the league, I guess. And, um, yeah, couldn't be happier to, to have my name on those awards. Not as a slight to you or anything, but I was I was kind of surprised when I heard you were the first ever player of the year from Dubuque. Is that something that surprises you as well, just because of how much history this team has? Yeah, I think so, definitely. When you when you look at the um, not only the players that, that the Dubuque has um, brought through in, in the in the history of the team, I think obviously when you think of their success as a team, um, you have them in the tier one history. I guess they haven't missed the playoffs and in the 10 years. So um, when you think of that, obviously there's got to be good players on those teams. So uh, yeah, that definitely came as a surprise, but um, pretty cool to, to know that uh, now Dubuque has one. You, we know you're a team oriented guy. So what did it mean to you to see not just yourself, but four other of your teammates being named to the all USHL teams? Yeah, it's awesome. I think it just kind of went to show how special of a team and season we had. Um, obviously with, with Oliver winning, um, coach of the year I'm, I'm sure that's kind of that just kind of shows that uh, we had the right guy in charge there and um, then I guess with with uh, everyone else that got awards the twins and and Doyle and, and Eric obviously um, yeah it was it was an unreal season and uh, congrats to those guys very deserving and um, it was no surprise to me. And Eric was your roommate the entire year. He wins goaltender of the year, obviously joined you on the first team. I know you've been asked this before, but just how much did that competition between the two of you kind of help your success this season? Yeah, I think it definitely did. Obviously, it's 
um, not only having him as a teammate, but as a roommate, it's kind of that, uh, I guess, that battle and uh, motivation in practice against each other kind of, um, that kind of goes up a bit, um, being roommates. And I think it was always a good battle uh, during practice for kind of for anyone to score on them because it was very rare. Um, but yeah, I think overall it definitely helped to, to kind of have, uh, have him to try and score on every day. It was, was a definitely a difficult challenge. For you personally, what did your two years in Dubuque now looking back at him mean to you? It uh, means everything. I mean, um, if, I, if I look uh, where I was when I came to Dubuque um, and now where I am when, I, when I've left, uh, it's kind of crazy to think. Um, I think obviously everyone knows that Dubuque um, is amazing at kind of putting players through the organization and making them better players. But uh, I think even just the things I learned about myself, just uh, from the coaches trying to teach us to be better people. And uh, I think that was kind of the biggest thing. Um, I learned so much about myself and, and how to kind of, I guess, uh, develop my game and, and my mindset and work ethic. Uh, I think that was kind of the biggest thing. Not many people might know this, but you came into Dubuque, and one of the first things you said to Oliver David is, I plan to be here two years. You, you had that plan mapped out in your head that you were going to develop for two years at Dubuque. What was your goal coming into year two on what you really wanted to improve in your game? Uh, yeah, I think obviously when I came into Dubuque, um, I obviously knew I've always been a smaller guy. And the thought of me going into college um, after one year in the league was kind of a bit scary to me. Um, I wasn't that confident in, in my abilities to, uh, to be in college in a year. So um, I think coming back to Dubuque, I think it was super important uh, for me to know and learn that not only um, could I get better, but I could get better in kind of every aspect. And knowing that there's no rush and I have time, um, I don't see why why I would have went in, um, even though I could have, I guess. But, yeah, I think overall if I'm looking at um, what I want to get better is just kind of everything. Um, just be a more complete player. And, and even if I was a good skater, become an even better skater. Um, just examples like that, I guess. So, I think that was really important for me to, to learn. How much does this year for Dubuque as a whole kind of speak to the the idea of spending a second year and getting better? I mean, you had you, you had the Jackson Twins deciding to come back for a second year. You had Falp who had played parts of three seasons. A lot of veteran players on this team. How big of a deal do you think is it to get that extra year of experience? Yeah, it's super important, obviously. Um, if you kind of can compare my first year to my second year, and you'd think like um, – it does make a huge difference and experience goes a long way. Um, maturity goes a long way. And I think the more comfortable you are, um, the better it's going to be for you. I think uh, obviously you're given opportunity in Dubuque and um, Oliver and Kelly do a great job of, of giving us an opportunity. We just have to make the most of it. So I think um, that's kind of what all us returners did. And obviously it's, I think it's super important for kids in the future to even um, just kind of reflect on their season and it, know that it, like it's okay to go back for another season I know a lot of kids are always in a rush to to get to college and sometimes it hurts kids uh, sometimes it doesn't but um, yeah it never hurts um, anyone I don't think. Looking back at this season obviously cut short not the way that any team wanted to finish it but when you reflect on the year you guys had what are a couple memories maybe a couple moments or games that are going to stand out for you? Uh, I think just the season as a whole is obviously um, an unbelievable memory to, that we're going to have um, for the rest of our lives. But um, obviously I think our, our start of the season kind of 
going on that um, starting 7-0 or, or whatever it is. Uh, we had some pretty cool comebacks in, in those in those games. I think um, it was the best, uh, one of the best starts to a season in Dubuque history. And then obviously our battles um, against Chicago were obviously going to be very memorable with the, the amazing team that they had. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different moments, but um, those kind of stand out to me. And obviously Saints fans are very passionate about the hockey that they watch in Dubuque, but they also follow along closely with a lot of players after their time in Dubuque. So for fans that are interested in the next step for Reese Gaber, what does that look like? I think it's, um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm excited to get going. And obviously the fans are, um, fans in Dubuque are awesome and extremely passionate and um, having, having them, kind of cheer us on every night and the support they give us a um it really does mean a lot and it, it goes a long way uh, whether they realize it or not and um yeah just their support is amazing and um I mean whatever um I know they're going to be supporting me throughout my throughout my career and um in North Dakota so I'm very very grateful for that and uh, I thank thank them well, Reese, thanks for taking the time and congratulations on not just all first team USHL, but also forward of the year. And of course, Dubuque's first ever player of the year. Yeah, thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. And that was Reese Gaber, the Fighting Saints Tier 1 career goals record holder, the USHL player of the year, the USHL forward of the year, and all USHL first team selection. The accolades go on and on and on for Reese Gaber. And as we finish out this show, the accolades go on and on and on for the Fighting Saints this season. Five players on the all-USHL teams, the goalie of the year, the forward of the year, the player of the year, and now just released earlier this week, the coach of the year and the general manager of the year. Five individual <clears throat> awards for the Fighting Saints. This is the most Dubuque has ever had in a single season. And when you talk about cleaning up just as best as a single team can, that's exactly what Dubuque did with these awards this season. Oh, no doubt. And I, I think it, again, I think it really speaks to the, uh, the fact that so many players really bought into what the coaching staff and the, and, and Kelly Larson were, were trying to accomplish. You know, I think you, you don't have these individual awards without a lot of guys buying in as a team and winning as a team. And I think that's a big, big part of it. And again, it, it really speaks to the fact that the, the fighting saints are building something really, really special here. And I think it's a, uh, Again, I think they're getting back to that level where they're one of the elite franchises in the USHL, and uh, it's exciting for, for this year, and I think it's ex exciting for the future as well. You mentioned building something special, so we'll start with the general manager and Callie Larson as his job is to build the team, and after coming over from the Sioux City Musketeers, you know, didn't see the, a ton of success in terms of USHL success the first couple seasons, but he's still drafting high caliber players that have gone on to do great things at the NCAA level and then even higher levels. And then this season, I think it all came together in these. A lot of players this year were drafted multiple years ago by Cali Larson, the Jackson Twins, uh, Reese Gaber. They came in last year, set the groundwork, and really took off this year. But he's done a tremendous job at continuing to cultivate great young talent and build it up through the ranks for the Fighting Saints. Yeah, there's there's never been any question about uh, Callie's eye for talent. You know, he's always had uh, he's always gone out and drafted and, and recruited outstanding talent. And you know, they're 
Yeah, in fact, there was a couple of players that he he drafted who were who didn't come to the USHL who would have been huge difference makers. And I know he was extremely close on getting those guys, uh, and you know might have had a little bit of success earlier than than this year uh, if those players would have would have come to the USHL. But great eye for talent, and you know I think it's one thing to go out and, and find good talent. Uh, it's one good thing to, you know, to draft those guys, to be in a position to draft the, the players that you want. But that's only part of the picture. You know, you scout these guys, you draft them. Then you really have to sell them on Dubuque. You have to sell them on your developmental philosophies. And uh, I think that's, that's another big part of his job that a lot of people don't necessarily see. You know, you see his results on draft day or you see – when he makes a trade, what what uh, the benefit is, but you know, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, and you know, not only the guys that he drafts, but you know, if he drafts a guy in the in the USHL futures draft, you know, he still has he tracks and follows them for the next couple of years, and, and 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 goes and sees them, and 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 talks about the developmental process here in Dubuque throughout that time. So that's part of the recruiting process as well, and. He does an outstanding job at it, and uh, you know I think the Fighting Saints are extremely fortunate to have a, 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 a general manager of Cali's talent uh, that goes out and not only scouts and and uh, identifies talent, but he also uh, recruits it. And Cali Larson grabs that talent, and then it's brought to Dubuque, and Oliver David is the one that molds it on and off the ice, and he wins Coach of the Year. We mentioned general manager manager of the year been done a couple times by the Fighting Saints uh, in the past, but I was pretty surprised that there had never been a coach of the year before for Dubuque. Oliver David is the first Fighting Saints bench boss to win coach of the year in the USHL. I would have thought Jim Montgomery did it, but he was a head coach and general manager, and he won general manager a couple times, never coach of the year. So Oliver David, a tremendous honor for him. And certainly record-wise, this was his best season with Dubuque, but I don't think that the records in the first two seasons do enough justice to show how well Oliver David is able to develop not just good players, but good young men uh, in his time with Dubuque. Yeah, you mentioned Jim Montgomery, but <clears throat> you go back a little bit further and, and Jack Barzee, who was the original coach here back in the early 1980s, he was an outstanding coach. Uh, he was a guy who was uh, really instrumental in bringing hockey to Dubuque and and he he was a coach. He never won it. Kerry uh, uh, Eads was, won a national championship in Dubuque in 1993. He never won it. Uh, as you mentioned, Jim Montgomery never won it. And you look, even Matt Shaw and uh, Jason Lammers were outstanding coaches as well, and they didn't win it. So for Oliver to be the first one to win it, that's a, it's a great feather in his cap, and it really speaks to to what he's been able to accomplish here. And, again, I think it was uh, – what I really like about what about about Oliver is, you know, whenever you talk to him, he's always he's always trying to learn. He's always trying to improve his own game. You know, he's he's not the kind of coach who who thinks he has it a hundred percent figured out. He's always trying to figure out a way to connect with kids and and help them become better players. And you know, that's really what it's all about. He's he's probably the ultimate players coach. Uh, because he really cares about his players and developing them and, and doing what's best for them. And, 
you know, it's, it's pretty cool for him to be rewarded like this as a, as the, as the coach of the year. And Callie Larson said as much about Oliver David. He said he's just really happy for him and uh, that they've obviously become very close, not just uh, professionally, but also uh, in terms of just their friendship over the last three years, uh, being able to work together. So tremendous honors for Callie Larson and Oliver David. And as a whole, uh, we, we've talked so much about how good this season was for the Fighting Saints. Obviously, on the ice, uh, they were compared to the 2012-2013 debut Fighting Saints, who were considered one of the best teams of all time in the USHL. And to draw consistent comparisons to that team, and then to do what they were able to do in these yearly awards given out by the league, to uh, essentially not just win some, but win almost all of them, pretty impressive. And I think... It, a nice cherry on top of an amazing season that unfortunately couldn't be decided fully on the ice, but this is a nice, uh, not even a consolation prize. This is a nice uh, reminder of just how good this team was all season long. Yeah. And I, uh, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we talked about the missed season. I think, I think that the Saints had a pretty good shot at, at winning the whole thing. And, you know, you mentioned that 2012, 13 team and, you know, how good that team was, how deep that team was, how balanced that team was. And this team reminded me a lot of that team. And I, I think, you know, I, I think it would have been fun to watch them go through the last 12 games of the regular season and then see what they could do in the playoffs. I, you know, I know Chicago, everybody would have had Chicago as the favorite to win the whole thing. But, um, boy, Dubuque, Dubuque was really impressive as well. And I think it was just a matter of figuring a few little things out. And I think they would have had a really good shot against Chicago. And, and uh, it's a shame that we don't get to see it. But, again, there are a lot of great memories from this season and a lot of great uh, individual accolades that are going to be uh, carried on for many, many years individual accolades that uh, some of them are, are record setters for the Fighting Saints in terms of first ever for the team. Five representatives on the All-USHL teams, the goalie of the year, the head coach of the year, the general manager of the year, and the forward and player of the year all reside in Dubuque for the 2019-2020 season. An impressive way to finish out the year for the Fighting Saints, and we thank Eric Portillo and Reese Gaber for taking the time to join us on this edition of the Fighting Saints Report podcast. Make sure to tune in every Friday, 10 a.m. Central is when we drop another episode. It's on Anchor FM. That link will be below, and you can also search for it at the Fighting Saints Report on Spotify. Jim, as always, thanks for joining me remotely, and I'm not sure it's going to be in a week or two, but maybe shortly we can actually record one of these in person for the first time. That'll be a nice little first of our own here when we're talking about Yeah, that'll, that'll be awesome. And, it, you know, it's going to be uh, – we'll have the uh, USHL drafts coming up. Those will be some good topics of conversation. And uh, there's a lot of uh, – still a lot of things going on with the Fighting Saints right now. So it's going to be – it's going to be fun for the next few weeks and uh, looking forward to it as always. This is why Jim's on, because that's a good plug here to end the show. The USHL draft, that's coming up in just a few days. When you're listening to this, the USHL draft will be less than uh, three days away. It's a Monday and Tuesday event, the Phase 1, Phase 2 draft. 
phase one, Dubuque is selecting some younger players that probably won't hit the team for a few years. And then phase two, that's where you build out your roster for this upcoming season. So Callie Larson, I've talked to him a couple of times, but he's been pretty busy over the last couple of weeks preparing for that draft. And you can follow along on our social media channels as we will get you draft picks round by round and pick by pick from the Fighting Saints. So again, Jim, thanks for taking the time to join me. We thank Reese Gaber and Eric Portillo. And just a big congratulations to the Fighting Saints as an organization this year for completing one of the the greatest uh, collection of awards we've seen ever by a Fighting Saints team. We'll talk to you next Friday, 10 a.m. Central with our USHL Draft Special.